I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supple with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I need a hug. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and I think I May Destroy You is putting it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there, is there a word more powerful than, than destroy? Yeah, because that's... Uh, I mean, I don't know if I would say that this series destroyed me, but I know it did a lot of people, but I was profoundly not just moved. I was shifted. You know what I mean? It was just like, ooh, I have moved to a different part of the couch by the end of this series. Oh, yeah. And like, I remember you talking about it. I remember you suggesting it like, Nick, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I was like, okay, I'll put it on the list. The list. And Mm -hmm. I I did put it off for a while. And it was one of those random nights about, I don't know, two weeks ago where I was like, yeah, I think it's time. And I knew that it's like the trailers really, and we'll go into this too, but like the, the show as a whole too is kind of like this own separate genre of like this perfect like storm that Michaela Cole has just like whipped up as far as like her writing it um and kind of and directing producing like I know she created it obviously too because I read that she wrote like 191 drafts of the screenplay before she was happy with it which sounds exhausting but I do love that that much time and effort and like specificity was put into this because it really does pay off yeah it's uh she did she's like she's I feel like Michaela Cole is like she's done everything from writing the script to like, you know, work in the craft services truck. Like she this is, I think, (laughs) so much of her production. She um, directed a number of like nine of the episodes uh, Mm -hmm. and wrote all 12 episodes. And yeah, essentially created this. Obviously, she stars in it and, you know, um, has, you know creative and like legal control over it which is a whole narrative about how she turned down the million dollar netflix deal because she would have lost creative control um and so it's i feel like whenever i think of this show whenever i think of any element of this show i think about michaela cole because it's like well she probably had some hand in any element of this that i love because like this whole thing is hers you know think of um the show Rami mm-hmm. um, that, that is, is sort of like like Rami Yusuf just sort of like created. And Rami and this show remind me of like they're like they live on the same street. Like uh-huh. they might not be neighbors, but they're like, you know, catty corner mm-hmm. um, to each other. It reminds what was that movie we watched where um, everyone lived a little bit further away from they lived in the same neighborhood oh that was a hillbilly elegy (laughs) oh yeah of course yeah Yeah. it's kind of that situation where they live on the same block and like it just uh part of watching this show it just feels like poetry like it's so beautiful to watch it's so beautifully acted and directed and written 
and the visuals are great. Like I, I, I am in awe of a lot of what this show ended up being. I didn't know what to expect, um, but it delivers like on all fronts, and it really is a cerebr- uh, cerebral sort of experience. What was your first? Like, as you were watching it, did you binge it? Did you split it up? What was it? What did it look like? So I think when I started watching it, I think maybe eight or nine of the episodes were out already. And, you know, they were mm. still kind of being, you know, released weekly on HBO Max. So I I think I watched probably the first episode, maybe the first two episodes, you know, in one clip. And then I watched the next, you know, six episodes in one binge. And... I just couldn't stop and then you know was just waiting feverishly for each new episode and I I what I loved about this was not really knowing kind of where the narrative was going and I think the narrative moves like poetry too where there's just this kind of like weaving in and out of stories and different character stories and how they connect and how the themes connect and you know how things from the past connect to things in the present and I I think the first time watching this, my assumption was that all of this was following a more linear narrative of like traumatic, traumatic event happens, uh, a sort of period of, of realizing and, and, you know, uh, hurting and grieving and, and kind of going through, you know, a sort of healing process. And, um, part of that being some kind of revenge, some, you know, like I, I imagined, Oh, she's going to go like, full you know kill bill in the last couple episodes and like that was just (laughs) my assumption and and it leans into that in the last episode because we get a variation that is literally that and yes and yet i love that this wasn't that straightforward it wasn't that simple as like oh now i'm gonna get revenge it was it was actually about the, the step before of like what the grieving process looks like what the healing process looks like and that it doesn't it doesn't follow the linear path that we would expect from a TV show or a movie. Um, and it doesn't wrap everything up in the end. Like there isn't necessarily yeah. a conclusion to, to that experience either. And I, I, after watching the whole thing the first time and seeing the last episode, the first time I was like, wow, where, where am I? I'm not even on the, I'm not even on the couch anymore. Now I'm in the other room. I've been so shifted. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly now, where am I? But like the more I sat with it and then, you know, rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, this is, um, I'm glad that this is, that, that it didn't follow the narrative that I was expecting. I'm glad that it wasn't that easy. Exactly. I, I mean, we got our sort of like clue ending in that last episode too. And I want to talk mm. about the last episode without really spoiling as so much too. Cause I know this show is fairly new and, and my hope too, is that after listening to this episode, that people are, you know, are interested and um, have their ears perked up and listen or watch it on their own too. So we'll try to step lightly. I mean, there's not really, I think everyone sort of knows that they're this in the first episode. I think it's even in the trailer that there's like some sort of sexual assault that happens to Arabella, our main character mm. played by Michaela Cole. So to kind of give every, anyone who's just wondering like, well, what's, what's the show actually about? I thought the IMDB um, description was really, really great. So I'm just going to like read that real quick. It's basically, they describe it as the question of sexual consent in contemporary life and how in the new landscape of dating and relationships, we make the distinction between liberation and exploitation. I feel like Michaela mm. Cole wrote that too. Yeah. It's, just, it's just really perfect. It is. Cause I think it's, you know, the, the, 
show is very much about what happens to Arabella, but as the show goes on, it's about what happens in Kwame's life and what happens in Terry's life and, um, mm-hmm. and what had happened to Theo and, you know, yes. the, the sort of gray area where a lot of those experiences live. I think that, that was so interesting to me as we have this experience, you know, with Arabella that is so, you know, cut and dry assault, you know, and like so clear and like, uh, you know, even though we don't necessarily get all the details up front, like what we know is like, yeah, somebody getting their drink spiked at a bar and being taken advantage of in a bathroom, like all of that is, there's no question. There's no internal conflict of like, you know, huh, where, where does this live? But then yeah. with Kwame, I mean, his is certainly, you know, a bit closer to an assault as well, but there's that whole interaction with that guy when they go to have the threesome. Um, yeah. And then with Terry, I love that even with that, it, it becomes even more of a gray area of of the threesome in Italy and yes. um, whether or not, you know, like this thing that, that she's interpreted and has seen as a, a moment of liberation in her life, you know, whether that was fully consen- consensual and honest and like where she lands with those feelings. And I, I, and I thought that was so interesting to, to not only explore you know, a, a very clear incident of, of assault and, and the repercussions of it and, and somebody, you know, healing from that or responding to that, but also on the other end of the spectrum, someone who's like, I feel like something's happened, but I don't know if I have the words for it or I don't know if I can put it into words. And yes. I think that's, um, that's where this just grew into such a huge story. Yeah, it's just as important. And I think about that. Oh, gosh, I think about that guy, like, I I guess we'll call him like the odd man out in the threesome, too. Mm -hmm. And just like watching him stand there. I just found that scene like fascinating to watch, too, because that guy, I mean, that could be like a whole episode of just the dynamics between you know or the the dynamics of grinder and and how we as gay men kind of search out uh those sort of experiences for you know and i mean we i'm i'm digging myself deeper into this but like as far as like validation mm-hmm. and feeling wanted feeling needed but also like just plain being sexually active and and unfortunately that's a lot of the uh they're very toxic i mean i know that I don't have to tell anyone listening to this podcast that Grinder is toxic and right. should be like removed from the face of the earth. But at the same time, it's for Kwame, it is um, kind of all he knows. Like there's so much of how they set his character up that he's like, he's just the guy always on Grinder at first. But then it kind of just goes, it goes away from that so quickly because of that experience. And then he ends up, I mean, I'm not going to go too much into like uh, spoilers and stuff like that too, but his own sort of journey and and finding his way back to where he was because of a similar experience, like you said, that could have been on paper potentially nothing, but it is something. Like something happened to him in that police station scene, Colin. Yeah. When he goes to report it. I, I was just so much I felt uncomfortable and I felt like I wanted to I wanted to like represent him and say, like, no, this this hap I wanted someone to save him. Right. And there really isn't anyone to save him he has to kind of save himself because Arabella's wrapped up in her stuff and Terry's helping Arabella and he found that guy in the threesome but then he doesn't end up working out either too I, I'm, I'm very intrigued and sort of fascinated by Kwame as well there's there's a lot there 
Oh yeah, I mean, we could do a whole episode just on Kwame mm-hmm. and his narrative. It's and and that actor, I mean, he's fantastic. I think he and Michaela Cole were went to school together, so they they knew oh, each yeah. other. Um, I think his name is Papa Esiedu, uh, and so yeah. her character's last name is is Esiedu as well. So that was a nice oh, little nod. I love that. Um, but yeah, he's uh, a big deal, and like he's uh, I I saw like he was Hamlet and Hamlet with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh wow! Um, and I think. Sorry to interrupt your thought. Go ahead, finish. No, I just he, I think he's he's incredible in this, and I think mm-hmm. uh, certainly, you know, of the narratives that we see explored, his was the one I identified with the most, and like, yeah, it was like, yep, yep, that's uh, you know, that's pretty accurate. I mean, I I feel like the scene when he hooks up with the with the cashier in the supermarket, you know, just the casualness yeah. of that, and like, and then that moment of then that being the cashier, you know, that he and his his grandmother uh go to when they're checking out and the impersonalness of it the fact that you know when, they, when he just like, gives them the plastic bag without even looking at him i thought yeah. yeah i mean this is uh just the nuances of that how intimate things can get and then immediately can shift to like really cold and really impersonal and the you know having to navigate that space even if even if nothing quote unquote goes wrong or you know becomes more dangerous or or um, more questionable, just that routine experience just wears a person down. Like it's, it's very much like you're, you're chasing a high in the employee bathroom of a supermarket, you know, like, yes. It's, yes. you know, they're, they're, at a certain point it's like, what am I doing? You know? And, and uh, you have to just try to avoid that awareness. And I think um, what happens to Kwame throughout the series is really like forces him to just have this like larger awareness of like, what am I doing? doing what am i seeking here you yeah, know what do i want yeah oh that guy that he eventually meets that just like makes him dinner i was uh, like yes i know this is it and then he just doesn't know how to react to it and i i get that i especially because he's just been in this other world of how he thinks a gay man should be leading his life question mark i guess like, yeah that's what we're no one there is no handbook i'm like hate no. to tell it to you young gays but there's no handbook no one's gonna tell you how to do it but somehow we end up it's like cats in the litter box we end up just like downloading grinder ourselves without even like we Mm -hmm. just we don't know how we do it we just do it yeah um because that's what you do so it's very fascinating and i i think the um one thing i really loved about uh papa siedu they like interviewed him there's like a whole bunch of youtube uh videos of course but i read something yesterday that the way that he describes kwame is is really kind of perfect. Uh, he said that he is a gay man who is masculine without being too toxic and is also in touch with his femininity, mm. which I think really is the perfect balance of that. Cause like he could, I just love his vibe. I know that's like such a 2021 ver- uh, <laughs> adjective too, but there's a, and a side note too. I love his hats. I wish yeah. I could wear a hat like that. I was like, where do you get hats that are just like, just they were like custom made hats <laughs> like, oh i know yeah perfectly on his head i was like if i wore that i'd look like like an egg i don't know i'd look I like a know. newborn would... baby <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> no. yes yeah they really are they um, put so little hats on them <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously that's... i need to know where those hats are sold so yeah. uh but he really is great and i i like we said, we we uh, we have other people to sort of shine a light on this episode too. But um, I I definitely wanted to mention him, and I'm sure he'll pop up again as we move on. But a really really nuanced, 
in some ways quiet performance from him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There um, aren't any like big uh, scenes or like um like there's sort of like quiet emotional moments. There's sure. you know the, the scene with the guy who makes him dinner. There's you know the scene when he's locked in the bedroom with uh, I think his name yes. was uh, Jamal. I think his name was. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's like l- little moments like that where yeah, he's just there's there's so much going on you know just these like Mm -hmm. little like you know facial expressions and just these little face journeys that uh i really i i loved his narrative i loved that that was explored and it was just felt so like so accurate and uh and yet i felt like you know there is there is also that whole question i mean that sort of i think we're seeing with kwame a lot of the the sort of darker side of that hookup culture and there would be people who would argue of like um, you know, to your point of like, there's no manual and there's also no, you know, being gay doesn't follow the same quote unquote rules that we kind of apply mm-hmm. on to straight people where, you know, I was just reading this book the other day where, you know, describing gay men as promiscuous is, is kind of putting a judgment or a, a social standard on gay men that doesn't exist. Um, yeah. because promiscuous assumes that you shouldn't have sex with multiple people and that, you yes. know, monogamy is is the the only model and i think that that i think there are probably lots of downsides to having a a model i think people who feel like well i have my track you know i meet someone i get engaged i get married i have kids you know settle in the suburbs that's life um i think well yeah that does that could be really restricting but it's nice to have some some signs along the road to say hey there's a rest stop here if you want hey here's a life option if you want but when you're gay it's just this like open highway and Mm -hmm. you're just like well i'm gonna veer off on this exit and see where this takes me um and so i think i liked that kwame's story it didn't feel like a a judgment against sex or a judgment against hooking up but it it felt like at least a moment of like hey, only if that's working for you, you know? And what if it's not? And how do you recognize that? And I thought that's what felt really unique to me was that this wasn't like, you know, Kwame realizing by the end that the traditional model, you know, was the right model, but more of like, oh, maybe what I was doing, you know, I think that moment of like, I need a hug was this revelation of like, this is what I've actually been pursuing the whole time Mm -hmm. is, is not the sex, but would just be the hug and all that that come all that comes with that and i i love that that revelation is is sort of uh unfolded throughout the series without it being like well that's you know you know you shouldn't have been just having sex all the time you know yeah i guess it's like the word that comes to mind is like intimacy and i Mm -hmm. feel like that can mean two different things it's like most of the time you think intimacy is like you just go straight to sex, but intimacy can also just be being with someone. It could be snuggling on the couch. It can be giving someone a hug. It's it's like, there's obviously like just touch in general too, but there's like emotional intimacy, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, Of course, Kwame, like, I love how they staged that scene of him. Like they're eating dinner on the bed and, and the guy offers him a delicious plate of food. I'm on a sugar detox right now. And I was like, I want all like, he makes some tacos or something. I was yeah. Like, there yes. was, I think and there like was some margarita. corn in the cob in there. Yeah. Oh, it looked it looks, great. I was like, this is, this is the dream Kwame, but you don't, you don't see it quite yet because he's just like, cannot compute what's yeah. going on because of uh, how he's sort of been navigating that highway. Uh, so, yeah, Kwame. I that's Kwame. kind of like that's yeah. an abrupt sort of like pin in Kwame, but um I 
I want to talk about these other, mainly women, of course, in yes. the show. Yes. Where do we want to go to next, Colin? Well, you know, it's like if I start talking about Michaela Cole, I will spend the rest of the episode talking about yeah. Michaela Cole. You know, I know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tricky. It's like I let it just be I'll a just blank. like set a timer for a minute. Right. <laughs> just talk, yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like I don't think so, honey. Uh, yeah. Here's my I minute. Do so, I do think so, honey. Um, uh, I may destroy you, honey. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I just, I guess I would say about Michaela Cole is that I want her to win every award humanly possible for this. I think the yes. show is a crowning achievement. I think everything that happened to Fleabag and Phoebe Waller Bridge, I want that times 10 for Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You. I think that she's yes. like, it's just incredible. It's just an incredible show. I love that she had such creative control over it. I love her performance i mean her performance it's insane to think that she wrote this she directed most of it like she's produced it like she created the show and then on top of it gave such a great central performance like just playing arabella would be enough you know in terms of that yeah. accomplishment it's such yes. a good performance and uh i just yeah i think that the the flea bag Schitt's Creek kind of sweep of of award shows that we saw the past couple of years, I think I would be so happy in in the TV categories and limited series, whatever it may be, for this to be Michaela Cole's year. I hope so, and I know um, Critics Choice Awards can't like nominations mm -hmm. came out. Unfortunately, the show did not get any, which it's just the Critics Choice Awards. But still, I I was hoping to see some sort of. You oh, know, I thought it did for limited series. Oh, it did? Yeah. Ooh, so then. they had a separate section for limited series because I was looking through them yesterday and I was like, why am I not seeing? Yeah, I looked. Yeah. I only looked on IMDb, so they might not have updated their sort of database for nominations, I guess. So, yeah, I think I read bad, like a, but... a variety article, but indeed the show is nominated and Michaela Cole was nominated. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, for her to not be at least nominated, I mean, hopefully sweeping in some sort of fashion, she deserves it, if not even more so than, you know, the the Phoebe Waller-Bridge of it all, too. And I know I, I, I love Fleabag, too, and they're, they're apples and oranges at this point, too, these types of shows. But, yeah, it is, it is art. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Like, I don't know how else to describe there's something about the way that she she gets to do everything and i feel like we've said that on the podcast before too like one of the the things that i was just like whoa is the way that she you never see her quite break down after like the incident happens mm. and she's uh, she's reporting it to those i love those women the cops oh yeah i love um, that, them that yeah they're kind of touching base with throughout the first season um, but the way that she sort of broke down into her sweatshirt, I don't know if oh, you remember that yes. it's like episode one, that mm -hmm. it's just like this. And then she sort of just composes herself and comes yep. back. Like it, it tells us everything we need to know about Arabella. It tells us how she sort of manages her emotions and that, you know, sometimes it just comes up as we all know, um, something suddenly came up. But, uh, I think that's. Among like other things, like her being on drugs and her being like super just like out of it and being in this state of madness, really, like post the incident and of trying to just pick up the pieces and how she throws herself in the social media, like that whole era of Arabella. I was like, ugh, I hate this version of you, but I yeah. understand why you're doing this. 
Um, it's it's really incredible to watch. Yeah, that evolution, I found that to be so like unpredictable in the best way. You know, uh, I of course love that scene where yeah, I think the the one cop they're talking about like trying to remember details and you know remembering his eyes, and I think she says, and who was he looking at? I think that's the question, and it cuts back to Arabella, and and it's just oh yeah, it's that it's that moment of like you just you see something snap or happen in her mind, mm-hmm. and then she pulls the shirt up on her face and starts to cry, and it's so oh god, it's so insane. It's like you know there would there's no one you know we say like no one told her to do this. Well, there's no one there to tell Michaela Cole to do this except Michaela Cole. So like the the fact that all of that moment was like. She is the actor. She is, I think, the director of that episode. She's the writer of that mm-hmm. moment. Like she, all of that is her creating this narrative. You know, this this wordless narrative in that moment. I just love that. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, the once she evolves into this like social media queen, I thought, oh, like I felt like I didn't want to admit, like I really don't like her right now. But then I thought, oh that's hitting up on all of these nerves that I, that I've like, Oh, that makes me a bad person because this way that she's behaving is so validated on Twitter and Instagram Mm -hmm. and celebrated. And it's all about this like cancel culture and call out culture and, you know, uh, just kind of being that, that sort of audacious energy, um, and being an energy for other people and, and being fixated on just like, you know, kind of like Kwame going, you know, finding, you know, his dopamine hits in the in the bathroom stall of the supermarket. It's like she's finding her dopamine hits on on Instagram. And yeah. I was so relieved when that ended, when she kind of like yes. woke up and deleted that. I was like, oh, I love this show even more. I thought this is where I may destroy you and I might be diverting. You know, I thought this was. Yeah. OK, maybe this is for the audience that's like, yeah, social media warriors like we're doing the work. But I love that even that got uh, sort of uh, exposed or explored or, or broken open in some way as well. Yeah, she goes down several different avenues of, I guess if you want to call it grief, but it's also just like uh, trying to manage her emotions and finding different outlets in, in which to do so too. And like, um, you know, being that spokesperson for that like organic company just because she also needed money too. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I am always like, I love like my ideal life would to be like a writer in a movie or a TV show, like to be like, cause Arabella has this like life where she can kind of do whatever she wants. Of course right. there are consequences, but really, you know, she has to finish this manuscript and that's kind of the first episode but she has this sort of like free reign and she gets away with a lot of it too. But then she kind of revitalizes her reputation a little bit because of, Oh, I forgot that like the second incident really with um, that character named Zane. Zane. She has to do Mm -hmm. that speech, which I was so mad at Terry that she didn't do that performance. But I also know that Terry had to be too afraid to do it in order for Arabella to say what she said about Zane. So I get that as like a plot device, but I was I was rooting for Terry. We were all rooting for right, him. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, I mean, I think there's there's a couple, you know, if we're going to say the BSAs of or, or where's yes. the BSA performances and I may destroy you, like the classic choice would be uh, would be Terry played by, I think it's Waruke uh, Opia. Am I pronouncing that yeah, correctly? Yeah, I looked it up. Uh, Waruke Opia. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. uh, who I had not seen before. I wasn't familiar with. And I had actually thought knowing that Michaela Cole and Papa Esiedu had gone to school together and knew each other and there was that familiarity. I thought, oh, it must be the same with her as well. Like they just have this instant bond, it seems, or this like long-standing bond but like mm-hmm. she was she auditioned for the role like she was uh you know she they did not know each other before this and i i love the you know if we're going to talk about terry i love the friendship you know beyond everything else we see from terry in the show the friendship that she and arabella have is so it feels so real and it feels so you know um I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking of of uh, Susan and Corin and Lazy Susan, and how it's like, oh, yes. this is a friendship that has roots that we don't even see necessarily, yeah. but we know they're there. You know? Yeah, I think there's this like this real there's this warmth to Michaela Cole that really resonates and like sort of really lifts up or what's what's the word I'm looking for? Adds to the relationship, the on screen relationship between her and uh, Waruche Opia too. That just you believe it. You really do. It's like, uh, what is your death is my death. And that sort of line that they repeat back mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I'm so interested in more of Terry's backstory um, of just, we get, cause we get these pieces and, and we'll talk about the, the Italy episode too. But I, I, she is like no question, like the ride or die friend. She is by mm-hmm. Arabella's side for everything. And it's great to see, um, just like women friendships. I love any sort of women friendship yeah. displayed on screen. Um, but I also, it's like, I know that she's like, we know she's an actress. We know she's looking for a break, <clears throat> a break, excuse me. Um, but beyond that, it's like, I, I wish there was maybe a little bit more to her. But I, with that being said, I don't think she's not fleshed out at all. Like she, she is there to be, I think that's kind of it. She kind of just throws herself into saving Arabella so she doesn't have to look at the things that are wrong with her life, which how many times have we done that? You know, just like distracting yourself so you don't have to deal with the shit that you're sort of dealing with, I guess. Yeah, and there's the, the underlying thing of, you know, throughout it feeling like she has some responsibility for what happened to Arabella because she was the one who told Simon, like, yeah, just leave her, you know? Um, yeah. And so there's that sense of like, throughout the series that she's also trying to make up yeah, for one guilt. bad decision with a number of good decisions. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love how that, you know, because of that kind of becomes a late in the series revelation of Arabella finding out that, that that happened and that Terry yeah. had essentially said, yeah, just, just leave her there. And you sort of expect, I think on the note of like female friendships, you're sort of expecting, or I know I was, of, you know, some sort of confrontation scene. Like, oh, my God, the tension of this. Like, oh, man, just wait until, like, they have that that scene together after, um, I think, after she has her, her audition for the phone commercial. And you know that Arabella knows, and she's about to bring it up. And it just feels like it's going to be this this moment. And, you know, she says, I, I returned Simon's jacket to him today. And Terry has, you know you sort of see oh, her yeah. starting to it's put pieces scene. together. Yeah. And it's so good because there's a, there's a couple moments of just like unspoken, like Terry, like her face starts to sort of break a little and she's about to st- apologize. And it's so amazing. And then Arabella just says, you've been amazing. 
you've been, thank you for being such a great friend. And like, doesn't even bring it up. It's like, there's an, they both know, they both know what happened. And I love in this moment, I love this, this, I mean, this is such incredible writing and direction and acting of like, of what forgiveness looks like of like, I am not going to focus on the fact that you, that you fucked up. You made a, you know, a, yeah. a wrong decision uh, at some point earlier because over the past year, those decisions are the ones that matter. And I love that they were able to say that without saying that. And I think like seeing that, that level of, of texture in their relationship and the way that that's performed, I just, Oh, it was, it was such an incredible, like, again, I, I kind of wanted the confrontation cause you know, uh, yeah, as they say, I'm a petty bitch who loves drama. Like I'm, I'm hungry <laughs> for that moment, yeah. but I love that. That would have been too easy. It would have been way too easy of a narrative. So true. It's like you're, they're not giving us what we wanted, but we're even more satisfied with how they delivered it. At least yeah. I was, and it sounds like you are too. Yeah, it is yeah. exactly that. Like that is like, I guess if we were to pinpoint some moments that she would win some things like that, how Terry is reacting to that. And like, of course, Michaela Cole, it's like, it's just a classic leading actress, supporting mm-hmm. actress scene. And I've never seen anything like it. I really yeah. have like, and, and without some sort of explosive behavior too because they say you know they uh you know it's it's the friends that stick around when you you know that when you really need someone the most that that matter too it's like as a lot of people would just maybe gosh I don't even know how I would react with that too like I feel like there'd be some small part of me that would want to retreat a little bit because you know you're like just a you know an eighth responsible or like a quarter part responsible for what happened to her. So it's like her penance is just kind of making sure that she's taken care of. And, and like the motivation behind that, I feel switches in a way right yeah. after that conversation. And I love how that moment, it kind of, it, it's a strange connection, but it reminds me of the, um, the porch swing scene in kissing Jessica Stein with her mother, oh, yeah. oh, where she yeah, just looks Colin. at her and just says, you know, I think she's a, I think she's a very nice girl, and like that says everything. Ugh, uh, you pour one it's out for great. Topa Feldshu in that moment. <laughs> just, like, let it just be known. I just remembered that that I think, and then she gets caught and she stops and she yep. has to compose herself. Ah, the mouth, the mouth. Oh my god, best supporting Topa. Um, <laughs> but this felt like Terry's moment of like starting to break and starting to say I'm sorry. Felt like the same kind of like. Oh wow! Like, like you're not dumbing it down for us, you know? Like this yeah. is. I just yeah, I agree. I I felt like even though there was a similarity to kissing Jessica Stein, it's still so different, and it's just more of like the artistry of saying so much by not saying anything. Yeah, and not for nothing too. This show does have like a a perfectly balanced amount of humor in it too. Like mm. I, I think of Terry's line when they're in like the police station. And they, they talk about um, Biagio, is that his name? The yeah. Italian guy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why? They ask him, like, they ask, like, Arabella, why can't you get in touch with him? Or, like, where is he? And then Terry just blurts out, he's an Italian drug lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, yeah. like, brings everything to a screeching halt. It's so funny. Yeah, I think that's what's even more impressive is that there's a lot of humor in I May Destroy mm-hmm. You. and We need it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it, it never undermines the drama um but i think if anything like just kind of keeps us more invested because so much of the humor is based in 
um, in, you know, just the characters being funny, the characters saying funny things or making funny choices or making jokes. And um, the, the humor kind of only serves to make us like these people more and care about them even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of humor with Arabella too, or at least like there's, there's an effort to like smooth over a lot of situations for her to make everyone around her like comfortable mm. and sometimes downplaying the incident too, like to protect others because it's like when, if you have someone who has like, this is not the same situation, but like if, if something terrible has happened to you as, as it has in this TV show, it's like sometimes you, 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 hold yourself back on telling other people because they you don't want to make them uncomfortable or you don't want to um them to like over sympathize or them to break down because then mm. you're comforting them too mm -hmm. it's it's i think that's a very interesting dynamic that we see played out in different certain because uh, i think she didn't tell she doesn't tell like biagio for like the longest time and then he ends up like blow blowing up at her too uh, or it might have been someone else. I don't know if it was. Zane he does. Too. I think he like they yeah. have a phone call and he. And he I remember he says yeah. something pretty awful to her. Um, and then she goes to Italy and she. Oh man. I mean, it was like, oh Arabella, oh what are we doing? It's the ultimate sort of like. Don't do it, girl. Don't do it. Right. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and then she shows it. She's like, I did it, and she's like at Biagio's gate. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I um oh Biagio, who until he became really problematic, I thought was uh really hot. But you know, obviously oh, the actor yeah. is, but the character I was like, Oh, I I get it. Um when you look like that and your name's Biagio, it's like I'll you know, I'll get a ticket on Spirit Airways to, to Italy <laughs> yeah. to see you, no no problem. Um so yes, yes. uh you know, I think speaking of Italy, I'd love to zoom in on the third episode when we mm -hmm. flash back to before all the incidents um, throughout most of the show to this flashback of a trip that Arabella and Terry take uh, to Italy um, that I guess, you know, she's uh, she's using it as a, as a business trip to go because she's like, oh, all of its expenses, I'm expensing all of it. Yeah. I love this episode because it I, I love to think of it as like the standalone short film that you could even expand into like yes. a, a much larger story because there's just without it like creating a lot of like larger narratives. I just love the, I love the sort of mundane narrative of it all, of it all and how it mm -hmm. kind of grows and develops over time. And it starts with, you know, that feeling like I somehow this, this perfectly captured that like first day on vacation in a new place, having just arrived with your friend, that feeling like the yes, the enthusiasm, yes. like as they're, as they're making the food and getting high, I was like, Oh, it's day one of the vacation. I know what this is, you know? Yeah. That is the best. I wish they can like make a candle scent. Right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I know. Like that. Ugh, day one of vacation. Honestly. Yes. Yes. And yeah. Uh, gosh, I would, there's so much of me that was so nervous for them. Cause like they just kept doing more and more drugs and acting oh, yeah. crazy. I just wanted to like rein them in, but obviously that's not the point. Um, right. there's, right. there's a certain element of danger to them. Like just kind of, they get separated and so, I don't know how they get back to the house. Well, Biagio helps, um, right. Arabella back, but I have no idea how Terry got back. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. 
I think it's, she it's was maybe like sober enough to like because I think Arabella did a lot more drugs with those other girls that she met in the yes. bathroom. So oh, she was a little more fucked up than than Terry was. But it is it it, it it's an interesting story because to your point, a lot of what happens to them feels like classic stranger danger. You know, women in a foreign country like yeah. cautionary tale, and and I love that it doesn't really play out to that it's not that nothing happens but it doesn't quite play out as as the full you know psa that we expect but uh that you know we see them yeah just uh getting drugs from from that girl and the the waitress they meet and and getting drugs from biagio on the basketball court like you're just like and then invited to a house party you're like oh you know danger danger don't do any of this and then yeah they go to the club and they get separated and I think that episode is is where we kind of get the most Terry plot in one episode. It really is kind of an A and B yes, plot in this one. Episode, yeah. Um, and so with Terry, it's like once she's alone and and you see her walking around, following the Google Maps around town, trying to find where she's going. You think, oh, that's it. She's gonna. This is gonna be violent. This is not gonna be good. And we get this whole other, more kind of foggy narrative about her meeting these two guys and um and you know eventually bringing them back to the hotel and or the, to the to where they're staying the apartment they're staying and and having a threesome with them and it's and for the whole time you're like oh wow like there's also that narrative where you go on vacation and you have a threesome with two guys and it's a you know and it's this great story that you talk about for years you know yeah and it plays out that way until the end which I think if we're going to talk about moments where like, you know, where Terry wins it um, mm-hmm. is, you know, she's, you know, the, they've left and she looks out the window and, you know, who she thinks are two strangers who've met to, you know, only met each other that night as well are walking off together like friends. And, and we're only kind of seeing this, this little sort of face journey of her watching out the window and, yeah and that like thought process of like, what do I do with this? Like everything felt yeah. consensual and now I'm being shown that like I was deceived in some way. And like, where do I yeah. go with those feelings? And, and if anything, she pushes them down and pushes them away because I think in those situations, um, and I can certainly understand this of like, you know, we're like, eh, that was probably not, an ideal situation, but I'm going to choose to remember the good parts, you know? Yeah. To bring back some sort of like, like power in the situation or like uh, some confirmation that like you were like, she was the one who made this decision happen. Like, like she was in control, I guess maybe is the operative yeah. word there. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so interesting because her and Kwa- her Kwame and obviously Arabella have like, three different tiers i mean every single version of that is wrong let's mm-hmm. just say that out loud but it is you justify things like that that might not seem because you it's like what you think of as like rape or sexual assault feels like what happened to like arabella like that as a textbook yeah. sort of like something in the drink but it's it comes in all shapes and sizes and if anything we have this show to thank for kind of opening uh, my eyes for sure and kind of being reminded of what this actually looks like and what is considered legal and not illegal um even with like the zane thing too like i wouldn't think that what zane did was technically like rape 
Um, but mm-hmm. it, it is. It, it's like it's he took that condom off and like did not tell her. Yeah. And yeah, she, stealthing. Yeah, I think they call yeah, it. Yeah, yikes. It is um Yeah. Very, very fascinating. And uh there was something else about oh, it was it was another Terry Mo Oh, I, I, we're still talking about Italy, but I just remind me to talk uh I guess I'll just say it now. Because yeah. <laughs> we could bounce back. Um, Terry getting the call that she got the commercial. Oh, yes. I, I think, yeah, I'm, I feel like that's a, that's a good moment to move on to. If we're going to highlight some Terry moments is when they're in the workout class, Kwame's, you know, workout uh, class. Which I love. Yeah. Which I love. I was like, this looks really hard, but uh, it does. But fun. Yeah. Uh, and then she checks her phone and, uh, it's so good. It's so like, it's like if, if Joe Beth Williams was playing Terry, like it's, it's that exactly. kind of like, there's just those, it, it's such an emotional <laughs> moment of like, I got the job. I, I got the job. Like there's just this, Oh, this, this, this dismay that just turns into joy. It's so good. It's such a great yeah. moment. Yeah. It's a fake out. It's a celebratory fake out. Cause you, it looks like, cause you're like, Oh God, what now? I can't take it. Yeah. Anymore. And it's perfectly timed. Like with, with what's going on within the season. And I think everyone sort of needs a win that they can all three, all three of them are in the same room. All three of them can celebrate together and be happy for her and, and just kind of share that celebration. It's really lovely. Yeah, it's um, there because, you know, again, without this, it's funny. The show is it's weird to say spoilers because it's like it's less about what happens and more about how it happens and more about like, you know, uh, what happens while things are happening, if that makes sense. It's more about like there's it doesn't feel like there's any big like plot spoilers. But by the end of the season, it is interesting where they all kind of evolved to you know i think each of them are contending with their memories of the situation and where to go with them and i think you know for yeah for terry you know i i don't think we ever get a full resolution because in one of the sort of fantasy scenarios in the last episode she talks about you know kind of coming to some realizations about what happened in italy and wanting to go to theo's group and yes um and I, I think that that's interesting that that we don't get a full resolution on that. It's not like her meeting that guy is like, oh, well, she's moved on. She's met a great guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, no, there's still this thing that I think I need to deal with. Um, and then yeah. for Kwame, I think it was, again, I don't even think he was necessarily being saved by this guy, but it was more of being kind of given this opportunity to see what intimacy feels like or to get that hug and to really start to answer, like, what do you really want? Like, what are you really looking for here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think with that, uh, you know, it's that's a narrative that they, you know, you could easily keep exploring because um, I think especially someone like Kwame, and I, I can certainly speak from personal experiences, like, yeah, you meet that person who just, like, wants to give you that, like, real intimacy and that real emotional connection. But if you're not ready for it, like... Even if you can keep up with that dance for a little while, if you really aren't ready to maintain it or to keep going there, like you're going to sabotage it. And I think that's yeah. a narrative that like is totally possible that you don't just meet someone and then you're like, you know, swept off your feet and off the streets, you know? Yes. Um, so I, I like that they, you know, and of course, Arabella, I think the whole episode is about where does she land at the end of this? And um, I like for all three of them, it's, it's, positive leaning towards neutral 
you know? Um, it isn't a happily ever after, really, for any of them, but it isn't a miserable either. Yeah, I think that all the pieces are still on the floor, but you're still kind of sweeping some of them up. Side note, I I honestly, I have no idea what made me think of this, but I was just so, it's sort of like a red herring situation, but um, uh, the roommate... What was his name? Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben. I was like, what? what is Ben's role in all of this? I'm like, did Ben have something to do? I was like mm. so suspicious of him the whole time. But he's just like a lovely little goose that happens to like live with Arabella. Yeah, and they have I this know. like s- interesting dynamic as roommates and friends. And because a lot of that, that last episode, it starts out with Ben. Ben? <laughs> why am I like, you just said it. Ben. Yeah, Ben. Ben. Yeah, sure I don't ben. know why yeah. I'm thinking his name is like Adam or something. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, they're just it's such a small part, but I'm glad he's there and I'm glad it's sort of this he's kind of a sounding board and like they get each other and they just hang out. But they're what do you think of Ben? I mean, it's interesting that it does feel at moments of like, huh, why are we getting like, why do we have that moment of Ben watching, you know, being alone, watching like the video about loneliness? Like what's going on with Ben? What's his yeah. what's his story? Why does he? keep factoring into this groundhog day situation at the end Mm -hmm. um and i think i don't know the answer but i i like that i like that there's a life there too there's a narrative there too and i think Mm -hmm. there's you know there's some suggestion of i think ben is is a stable energy in arabella's life and it's probably a positive influence not just in terms of like not going out all the time but also like there's a lot it seems like ben is you know tending to plants and tending to their home and, and to sort of, I, I, there's clearly some metaphors to the plants, you know, and, and bringing yeah. something back to life. And I think there's, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. I think, um, you know, again, like there's, it, I don't think necessarily there's this indictment against going out or partying or having a good time. I don't think there's any suggestion that Arabella brought this upon herself because of her lifestyle, but there is some suggestion of like some of Ben's life maybe represents some of the peace or the, the calm or the quiet that she needs in her life. Yeah. There was like a brief moment in time where I was like, is Ben just like an imaginary person? Mm, (laughs) Right. Right. You really, I mean, people are interacting with him and like, they could have, you know, if you really went back and watched it, but I was like, is this just like her conscience that she talks to? You know what I mean? Like that he just like waters plants and she just kind of sits with, but um, of course that's not what it was, but in ways it has that, energy of just like he we never really see him outside of the house question mark yeah i don't think so yeah yeah he's just uh, kind of there um but ben's great he's ben's a good great. energy and mm-hmm. i'm i am glad he's there i just uh i just wanted to touch upon that real quick um shall we talk i we have theodora aka theo and then we have arabella's mom where yeah. would you like to go to next colin let's you know because i think Let's talk about Theo because like there's there's a yes. moment with Arabella's mom where I was like, oh, this. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff. There's some uh, stuff. Yeah, but Theo. So Theo is, um, and I I clicked her name is Harriet Webb, uh, and yes. I a lot of these are British actors that I'm not necessarily familiar with, but uh, she plays yeah Theo, who is an old schoolmate of theirs who now runs uh, a sexual assault survivor support group, and. Uh, there's a whole episode flashing back to a, a, a bit of a, a naughty history that Arabella and Terry and uh, and Theo have from from high school. 
Um, but I, I really, I think this was another really interesting, like Theo really like represents almost like someone further down the line of healing from their trauma and, yes. um, and how she's responded to it by starting the support group. And, but also, you know, like I love that she, she has that line of like, I know I come off as a, as an icy bitch, but I promise you I'm, I'm lovely. But I think mm-hmm. that that's, I think that's a part of it. I think there's a, there's a hardening of Theo. There's a, a, a obviously like, you know, someone is going to, you know, not necessarily be, you know, a bright, shiny person after a, you know, what seems to be a pretty rough upbringing she had. Um, but I like that Theo is one of those people where uh, you think that she's like, yeah, this tough, icy queen. And then when she warms up, when she smiles, it's like, oh, you are lovely. Like, like yeah. she's surprisingly likable, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and we see a lot of, uh, it's a great flashback episode to like a young Theo and how there was something that happened with she that she kind of lied about she kind of manipulated and 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 made this other kid at school seem at fault which uh, you know granted they they had sex and it's like it's i won't really go into it as well but um just for spoiler's sake if you want to call it a spoiler but um even though i just said it um yeah. but but the, it, more so it's about the relationship with her parents and her her mom and her stepdad i believe or mm-hmm. is it her actual father i think it's her stepdad um, yeah I loved that, like that actress, that teenage actress that just like sat on the couch and just like read everyone the filth and just like yeah. exposed her mom for what she was and how she sort of went along with it and like the trauma of just that really. And then mm-hmm. going forward and um, and creating this group, I was so, and I guess it's intentional too, I, I never really fully trusted her, like ever. I, mm-hmm. I just because you see her lie or like know that she's capable of lying about something so big like that that you and, and Terry was kind of suspicious of her. I was kind of like Team Terry of oh, like, yeah. who is this? Because Terry only remembered like what happened in school. And of course, things are different. And when you're in a, a situation of vulnerability like that in a group, like it, it is very easy to just like, you know, I think of like, uh hereditary like and doubt right you have someone that's like warm and willing to help you that you will go along with it who wouldn't right um so i was waiting for terry to disappoint us but she didn't or not terry uh theo Theo, yeah well yeah so i was reading somewhere some article or interview where you know uh michaela cole said like her intention was um not for any of the characters to be judged but you know even like i think she was saying in reference to like terry and like Terry saying, you know, we'll just leave her. And it's like, you know, where do you, where do you land with that? How do you, and it's like, well, you know, it's not that Terry or Theo or anyone's necessarily a bad person. I think, you know, even down to this, you know, David or Patrick, whatever. Um, uh, sorry, it's just weird that the, the rapist call is named David or Patrick. And I'm like, Oh, it's, well, I know that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Of all the Ooh. names. But anyway, um, that even down to that character, we're given a glimpse of like, here's, here's their, you know, sort of tragic human underbelly, you know? And I yeah. think uh, that what she had said was like, I, you know, I, I would want all of these characters just to be seen as human. Like they're humans. Like they've, they have their flaws, they have their good choices, their bad choices, but like all of these people are, um, are human, you know? And yeah. I think Theo is a great example of that because yes, yeah, she, she's known for a huge lie she told when they were in school. And now 
yeah, there is a feeling of like not being sure you can fully trust her. And even what happens with the happy animals job and finding out that there was some, you know, yes, deception there. And, and, you know, and even then it's like, you almost expect her to be banished as the villain, but it's like, even th- there's like an understanding of like, well, you know, you needed the money. I needed the money. Uh, you know, like I, I like that there's, it's surprising for a show called I May Destroy You, how many moments of like forgiveness there are, you know, and how many yeah. like explorations of forgiveness there are and how to do it and what it looks like and what it feels like. I think that's really impressive. And I think that, again, the easier narrative would to just be go going full rage, just full torch mode, you know, and instead it's like always finding these opportunities to say, okay, I see where you were coming from. And I think yeah. that's a that's a huge accomplishment. And I, I particularly I think with with female characters and with women, I like I don't know, I appreciate when a when a female character isn't just written off as the bitch or the slut or the whore or you know what I mean? Like yes. I think that happens so often. Uh I guess I don't mind as much when a when a guy is written off as a villain, but I I think there is something noticeable of when female characters are given that kind of humanity and that kind of uh, grace, I guess. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, well, before I get into that too, it's it's just, I love that grief is just as, or that forgiveness is just as big of a theme as sort of grief in this Mm -hmm. TV show too. Um, The idea that like, even your closest friends are going to disappoint you at some point, they are going to fuck up. And we saw it with Terry and I, I can't remember if that conversation, I think that conversation with Terry comes after Theo telling her about the. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's later in the she season. She recruited her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe that helped Arabella like realize that she could also forgive Terry too. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. you know, like she, if she could forgive Theo for that kind of shitty thing she did for lack of a better word, um, even though it was well-intentioned it's still like she did it and then she was able to forgive terry it's a powerful powerful thing that you don't really often see because in most movies and television too like it's more compelling to watch someone just scream and throw shit across the room and then maybe come to their senses but to kind of just have a conversation about it is pretty groundbreaking i don't know like i i just think it's so fascinating and i i can't imagine like 191 drafts like it's worth it it's worth it to get that moment yeah that's an interesting like thing to bring up again is is that this what we saw was nearly 200 drafts from the original idea and i wonder over time how these characters evolved and how because there's something so refined about this like the, uh, the, the decisions that are made in the script just feel so like figured out you know, like yes, I, I, yes. I don't think there's really many, if any, missteps. Like, because it just feels like every detail. That's something. Absolutely, rewatching the show is like every detail feels specific and chosen, and, um, you know, on purpose. And I think that yes. uh, even to the point where, like, in in many ways, the show does not give us the payoff that we want you know, or that you expect. I mean, I, I came into this expecting, oh yeah, like uh, there's going to be such catharsis by the end. And I, I love that we don't, we don't get the catharsis we think we need, or we think that like we're looking for. Uh, It's like a, 
I don't know if I necessarily felt catharsis by the end. I more just felt like, okay, that has been told. You know, and yeah, and it's not can begin. Yeah, continue, continue. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not over. You know, and I think I fully agree that this is not a show that needs a second season. But it's, I love that it's a story that's not really over. And and that that the show won't continue, but the narrative clearly does. I think is just so compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking um, of compelling, yes, I was going to say. We? Uh, speaking of compelling, speaking of, you know, a real assistant Grace. to the BSA. Um, I love that her name is Grace. I love Grace. Her name is Grace. I feel that that's also intentional. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because she is. She is the the personification of Grace. Arabella's mm-hmm. mother, played by Michelle Greenwich, uh, who is in one episode, uh, it, which is it's her birthday. And, um, you know, what's funny about, like, watching it again, because <clears throat> you had texted me, like, oh, Arabella's mom. And I was like, yeah, I remember her, but I don't really remember what happens. And and that episode is, again, very deceptive because there's all this built-up tension around Ar- Arabella's father. And, yes. you know, him not being, you know, reliable and being late and, and you know, kind of being this energy that they've all orbited around for years. And, you know, even on Grace's birthday, you know, not really being sure when he's going to arrive and, you know, mm-hmm. not like sitting there, letting the food get cold, waiting for him to arrive on her birthday uh, yes. to say nothing of uh, Auntie Lenora. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fascinating it's stuff. fascinating. Like we just in one episode with with two flashbacks and just like a you know a handful of details we get this real sense of like you know what where our arabelle comes from what experience she comes from and i think you know how that informs maybe not necessarily her life like up into the assault but so much else of her life you know of like yeah. seeing the way that she's like she's never given up hope on like her father like the moment he's home she forgets that he was two hours late you know and Mm -hmm. and how within that she's putting aside her feelings it's just you know banking that that pain i guess and yeah it's the pushing down of emotions that she i guess realizes that she did most of her life you know and how that continues into her adult life to the ability to do that and there's that moment where where he tells her that like you were actually the, responsible for um us getting robbed yeah and and i read an article about like how it, the realization or the reaction to that because you could see it on arabella's mm-hmm. face is it's not even about the realization that she you know was responsible for it, but the the realization that she almost forgot that that was the reason that it happened and that she just right. kind of buried that so deep and that she is just like an expert at it at this point too, because she said how many years, I don't know how old Arabella is supposed to be. I know that Michaela Cole in real life is 34. She's around our age too, which is great. I, I thought she was like 27, which yeah. would have, I mean, but I kind of love that she's in her mid thirties too. <laughs> cause I think what it was, cause I'm remembering the flashback to when they were, and I'm going to say they were like 16, maybe in that flashback. Yeah. Um, that was 2004. And so if we're going to assume like this is, you know, 15 years later. Um, so yeah, they'd be early thirties, 31, yeah. 32. Yeah. Yeah. A really interesting spot for people that are 
um, you know, not in their twenties anymore, and kind yeah. of looking for more uh, of what's what's next. What are, what does this decade hold for me too? And becoming an adult, and mm-hmm. uh, really kind of informs a lot of like Kwame uh, Kwame's, um, you know, like should I should I be thinking about a relationship now? Should I you know delete Grinder and all that stuff mm-hmm. too? But um, yeah, if they were all twenty four, I, I think it would be a little bit less interesting. Like there's yeah, <clears throat> like the partying I think has a little more texture when they're all like. 30 plus yeah and even terry being an actress a struggling actress and really sticking with it till you're 34 right. like that is almost i was emphasis on almost almost all the people that i knew in new york that were looking to be uh you know a working actor or actress have like it's around 28 i feel is the magic number that you really kind of start reconsidering that's that's uh-huh. when i moved home back mm-hmm. to pittsburgh it's and a lot of people were just like all right i gave it you know when you know when you when do you graduate college like 21 22 like 22, I gave it six yeah. years six seven years like especially by 30 like if you're still doing it like i think that it, it shows like some grit with terry as well too mm-hmm. even though um uh, we don't really quite see what happens to terry at the end she doesn't get any sort of like gig she gets the commercial so there's that. she gets so the commercial we yeah about. yeah mm-hmm. um but anyway back to um Arabella and her mom and her family really I one more thing sorry I'm just blabbing away here but I do love how the mom and the younger brother I'm assuming Mm -hmm. know they know what's going on and I guess we all have that sort of idea of like our parents when we're younger but then when you get older you realize they're that they're human beings and there's like a lot of um you know things that you didn't know like uh Mm -hmm. learning about his sort of mistress that just like came to the house openly yeah yeah, I mean, I think that what I, it's like this whole family, like this could have been its own show is like the dynamics of this family mm. and, you know, what the whole story is with Lenora and like clearly, you know, these are, it's like we don't really know when they say aunt, like is she a blood relative? Is she like mm-hmm. a close family friend? Like we don't necessarily have all those details, but um, it's, you sort of expect that, you know, yeah, we're going to have some moment of, of grace, you know, uh, reacting to any of that or, or blowing up about it or some issue, but yeah, you know, her father, you know, arrives late to dinner and, um, it's interesting when they're telling the story about him, uh, but you know, his car and, and Arabella remembers, Oh, when you had the Mercedes Benz and it's like, it's so representative of how she remembers things. It's like, no, we Mm -hmm. had like a, he had like an orange Toyota, you know, uh, two door, you know, coupe, you know, it was like yeah. a fine car, but a little like n- no Mercedes, you know, and yeah. um, just like the the way that she's chosen to see things and remember things. And I think it's not until that that realization that like she was somehow responsible for the robbery that she remembers the truth. And I think what's interesting is like when we see the flashback we do see the car as it is. And I think there's something to that, that yeah. we see the actual detail that we see like, oh, that's so far from a Mercedes Benz, you know? Yeah. And I, just the dynamic, I'm, I'm thinking of um, Arabella's mom, like the, the similarities between her and Arabella is that, because essentially Arabella's mom, she knows her husband is cheating on her, openly cheating mm-hmm. on her and actually having that, person come into their house and act as this sort of like friend of the family which takes a lot of strength to sort of 
I guess, be at peace with that, too. But I think the difference between her and Arabella is that the mother is, like, a little bit more... She's aware of it. Like, she's aware because, like, the woman is there. But she's also found a way to deal with it. Um, yeah. And just, and just know that, like, I think there's that great line. Of she's like, well, um, my kids are my world, and that's what I focus my energy on. And I know that my... Like, they don't live together, clearly. Um, right. Dad yeah, she says... Kind of, she says, I'm single and sexy. Why should I care? All I care about are yeah. my children. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's interesting because you think about Lenora is what she represents. Like she represents the thing that like won't go away. You know, the memory that mm-hmm. won't go away, the betrayal that won't go away. Like I think it's a real like symbolism for Arabella of like this thing isn't going to ever go away. Yeah. You just, you're going to navigate where it lives in your life and how it shows up. And, you know, you think about when Lenora shows up to Grace's birthday, she shows up, she brings the card and then Grace says, all right, well, you need to be going now. Like she lets it in as much as she needs to and lets it out. And I think that kind of control really represents this is like, it isn't always about banishing it. It isn't always about being fully free of it, you know? And like, that's Mm -hmm. how grief works, you know? And that's how a lot of trauma works. And yes, I think that in and of itself would be kind of a romanticized or like smoothed over version of this. But then we get that last scene of that episode and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't see Arabella telling her mother about what happened, but we see that she does need to, you know, say, Hey, I need to tell you something. And yeah. then we go back to the dinner table and it's just, it's like you almost don't even notice it until it starts happening of like the camera keeps, keeps cutting back to grace and it's just, there is so much going on behind Grace's eyes and, and behind like, you know, the small talk that she's making. And then the last shot of that episode is this long shot of Grace eating and just processing and just yes. like in something. And, and and then it cuts to the credits. And I was like, that is incredible. I know. It's oh my so God. Oh, that was so cool. I just, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, like Candace Bergen watching Meryl yes. Streep from across the table energy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think uh, Michelle Greenidge uh, has very much like Anna DeVere Smith energy, yep. I will say. like I uh, the same. And the dress that she wears. Ugh. I think that there's so much of the detail of Grace that I was just like, I wish you were in more than just this episode. But I'm I'm so glad that we got this like small taste of what this actress can do. And that performance was just great. And the direction and uh, you mm-hmm. know the script and everything else too. Uh, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, that moment. Cause it was like, I, I kept wanting a little bit more with the mother narrative. And then that last shot gave me everything I needed. Yeah. I was like, it's yeah, a great I, episode. I didn't need a monologue. I didn't need a big whole emotional scene. I just needed these like seven seconds of her just like, dealing with a lot of stuff and and it and that being the reality that you know it's like it there isn't a resolution and i think that's um oh just so exciting yeah it's kind of like a little easter egg of how bella processes and that there isn't really no resolution at the end of the the show Mm -hmm. too it's kind of like this little foreshadowing moment that's so subtle yeah it's great um lovely i feel like I feel good. I mean, it's not a show that you like, you kind of have to prepare yourself a little bit too, but like, there's so much, uh, to, to consume with yeah. all of these performances and the writing too, that uh, it's just, it's definitely worth the watch. So a high recommend and hopefully, Oh yeah. 
awards season will also agree with us. Yeah, I, I will say as well, like, even though a lot of the music is not like music I listen to, I just kept oh, thinking, yes, God, the oh. soundtrack is so yes. good. Like probably one of the best soundtracks of a TV show I've I've I can think of, you know, yeah. it just. It was really like, yeah, cool some covers. of this is, mm-hmm. yeah, some of them were like covers or some were, you know, it was like, I remember Firestarter by the Prodigy. I remember that. But like yeah. a lot of them I didn't know. And it was just like genres I wouldn't normally listen to. And it was like, wow, this is, these are just such great choices. It just, it's, it's an added layer is like the music is so good in this. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, well, great. Well, yeah. I may destroy you. Uh, amazing. Just Amazing. Um, well, that of course, uh, brings us to our final segment of the episode, which of course is our BSA of the week, uh, in which we queen out on a performance or an actor or a food or a song or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress of our lives this week. Uh, so what do you got this week? Yeah, I have a couple nominations that I'll just kind of blow through here. Um, my work, I don't think I mentioned this last week. They sent me a pair of AirPods for this sales summit, virtual sales summit that's happening today, a little later on. And AirPods rule. I never really thought I needed them. And now that I have them, it's like, how did I live life before? it? It's just, They're just really, the things they can do, the things they already know how to do is just, I'm like amazed by technology because I'm always a little bit behind the times, but I'm really enjoying them. Um, Do you have a pair? I feel like you do. I don't. I have been, uh, I've been loyal to the, to the corded headphones for all this time, but. Which I go, yeah, I will go back to, I'm sure on an occasion, but yeah, it's, um, I know they're like a big, uh, the price point is pretty substantial for like a pair of AirPods, you know, but uh, they're pretty great. So that's been bringing me a lot of joy. Um, also, Keon's uh, downtown office, they're not renewing their lease, which is kind of a bummer. So he's like permanently kind of homebound. I feel like that's oh, going to be wow. the trend for a lot of offices mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, but as a result, he was he got to like kind of clean out um the office and like everyone got to kind of pick their things and he was like one of the last people to kind of go in there and really clean up a lot of it and we got a shit ton of k-cups which was awesome oh wow Um, like a ton of them so like pete's coffee which we love and caribou coffee are the two brands so i'm super thrilled for that loves k-cups um then uh the Runner up is that yesterday, I believe as of yesterday, Joe Biden nominated Dr. Rachel Levine to become assistant health secretary, which makes her the first openly transgender woman to take on the role, which is just I've seen a lot of her because she Mm -hmm. is the secretary of health for Pennsylvania. So she's been on my television a lot um, during the past year. So I'm super thrilled. It just like it gives me hope and makes me excited for the new administration and what's to come. And yeah. really, I guess, speaking of that, it's like this episode will be, you know, released on Thursday, but we have a new president and more importantly, we have a new female vice president. So to kind of branch off of that, the I don't know if you saw the Kamala Harris interview with her husband, Doug, Dougie. Have you no, seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's but I... so wonderful. It's great. It's Oh, good. I'm, I'm excited about Doug. Yeah. He is such a mensch he's so like he i don't know he's just adorable and like the two of them together sitting on the couch and they talk about their first date was a blind date and that she like 
Googled him, but he never knew that he, she Googled him. And he's like, this is a reveal. And it's very cute. Um, so go check that out, the interview with uh, Kamala Harris. But really, Kamala Harris is the BSA of the week for me. And 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 Joe, of course. Joe's always going to be uh, a BSA in his own right. But um, here's to moving forward. That's yeah, all I'll say. I hear that. Uh, oh, well, first... Or- First gentleman, that's not first gentleman, second gentleman, Doug. Whatever he is, I'll go seek out Doug. Uh, Yeah, do it. All right. How about you? Um, Well, I think my BSA of the week is actually, it's one you've had in the past, and I finally started listening to the podcast, The Bald and the Beautiful. (gasps) Yay. And it's great. I mean, they, it's like, obviously, it's great. Like, they are so, you know, I think with uh, Unha, as I call it, uh, um, it's great. But like they even they've said, like, it's all editing. You know, we have like when we watch it, we don't even know what it's going to be because so much of it is the editing. And like we feel like, you know, the the credit that we get for the show is really the editors, you know. And it's like, yeah, I see that. But with the podcast, obviously, it's just them. Um, Yeah in you know somewhat real time and it works so well i it does uh i love it it's just it's i needed a new podcast um besides the good vanilla uh i was listening to the recent <laughs> yes. episode and i was like the ter- the word is toast she's toasting with a glass um, yes toasting i guess toasting. cheersing but i've cheersing. i've said cheersing before too many times yeah i mean i commit to it yeah the word but, is toast um, <laughs> it's toast it's toast uh but i i needed an, another new podcast and um there, it's it's great i mean it's uh, right. if you like unha if you like Trixie and katya it's you know, there's maybe a few too many commercials, but whatever. Yeah, there always is. I wish it was longer, too. I wish it was like an hour and 15. But that's yeah, okay. yeah, we'll take it. But it. yeah, that's uh, that's my BSA of the week. Uh, Great. And that is the sound of us getting played off played um, because that's what happens. And so uh, while we're getting played off, where can folks find more of you? Yeah, they can follow me um, on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov, and they can also tune into the Good Vanilla podcast, which is a Barefoot Contessa celebration podcast, I'm calling it, not recap, um, that comes out every Tuesday. How about you, Colin? Uh, well, of course, you can find me on uh, my other podcasts, All Right Mary, talking about uh, Drag Race Season 13 and Drag Race UK right now, and um, actually really enjoying them. My Drag Race fatigue has passed. Yeah. You can find me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And of course, you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod on Twitter. Yeah, or if you feel so inclined, you can always leave uh, a five star rating and review and also email us at thebsapod at gmail.com with any thoughts about I may destroy you. Let us know. Join the conversation. Yeah, uh, and uh, we have not determined what we're going to do next week, and so you're going to find out a little bit after we find out. Yeah. But uh, we will be back next week, and um, in the meantime, a big thank you, a huge thank you, a ridiculously huge thank you to Michaela Cole for yeah. creating I May Destroy You uh, and, and bringing all of these fabulous actors um to our screens so all of my thanks goes to Michaela Cole this week amen amen and that as they say is that 